My hope really is that you will do the introspective work. You will find those places where you can connect with and then make real authentic relationships and connections with people of color that matter so that they can say, I see you. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, we are featuring audio from a special Facebook Live event called Coping with Trauma from Racial Injustice, featuring Carmen White Yannick and Rebecca Hubbard. And this event was all about talking about the Mental Health Association Oklahoma support group of the same name, Coping with Trauma from Racial Injustice. And that group begins June 15th at 7 p.m. You can get all the details at mhaok.org forward slash racial dash injustice. And this support group is for people dealing with the trauma and stress related to the racial injustices and the ongoing racial crisis in America. This will be a safe healing place for listening, sharing, growing, and learning. Now is the time for change. Join us as we provide space for truth and healing. So before we get started, I want to give you a little background about Carmen. She is a diversity, equity, and inclusion professional and a non-denominational minister who really understands the unique needs of people during this time. And interviewing Carmen today is Rebecca Hubbard. She is the Director of Outreach, Prevention, and Education for Mental Health Association Oklahoma. Okay, let's get to this conversation. The Mental Health Download starts now. Thank you, Carmen, so much for joining me today, us today on Facebook Live. And thank you so much for stepping up to the plate to offer an opportunity for healing and growth and hopefully change ultimately, right? And uh, I just, I'm so excited. I just, I don't know how I'm going to contain myself this weekend because I just, I can't wait to have that space. You know, you gave me that opportunity earlier this week to have a little bit of a healing space opportunity. And it honestly was the most amazing experience I think I've ever had with a group of people that were complete strangers to me. And it was just beautiful and amazing. I think I'd like to start with a, a simple question of what do you hope to provide in this space of healing? What do you kind of envision uh, these meetings to be about and how would they look? That kind of thing. Healing is such a is such a large a, such a large term, but to bring it and break it down into bite-sized pieces, I really do believe this about our world right now. We are in a incubator of sorts right now. And things that it's like, it's, it almost seems like something is happening prematurely, but it's not. It's right on time. And there's all kinds of wires and gadgets and stuff connected to it. But, but we're finding ways to massage and bring healing to this new era to this brave new world that we are boldly pressing our way through. And so that requires that everyone do their work. It requires that because we've all been indoctrinated into whiteness. And so we, it takes all of us to do the work. It means that white people taking a seat back and listening without deflecting without defensiveness, without divisiveness, and sitting back and listening 
without interruption, active listening, and listening to the hearts of black and brown people who have been in this their entire lives because we don't get to escape. I know that there are tons of people that they are black and, and white people who are black and brown people and white people who are new to this party. Like they just got the invite or more accurately stated, they just opened the invite mm, yeah. because the invitation has been there. Mm. It's like you can get a piece of mail I know I've done it plenty of times. Get a piece of mail and say, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Someone asks you, inquires, did you receive? Nope, didn't get it. And then you start going through a bunch of mail. This happened to me recently. And you start going through a bunch of mail or somebody goes to the mailbox on the way to the car and then puts the mail in their car and you don't see it for months. The invitation has been here. Some mm -hmm. folks are just now opening. So how I see it is a incubator for healing and for releasing in a way that brings about healing. Because there are, you know, many, uh, a myriad of ways to release something, but to release it in, where, to, in a way, in a manner in which growth and real transformation can take place and, and transformation that is sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's really important to me, that transformation that is sustainable. That's why we can't do this. Um, we can't do this support group one night and say we did it. One of the things that I love about the Mental Health Association Oklahoma is the fact that they're not about just ticking and checking off boxes. We've done that far too long. And so to create a, a space where we can be seen, mm -hmm. we can be heard, mm -hmm. and that we can know and feel that we matter, that's the space that I'm creating. And how we do that is allowing people to bring their, their, themselves into, into the room. Who are you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was so impressed when I sent that link to you. When I sent the link to you, like I could weep right now and I will try not to, but, but when I sent the link to you and, and Rebecca, you responded back to me and said, I'm signing up right now. And then, and then followed up, followed up with, I've already signed up. <laughs> and then followed up with, a with the the end of how it impacted you yeah and yeah. and talk with me and expressed to me your takeaways and what it did for you it's that yeah. it's that that it's it, it, it's those kinds of things that i'm interested in and it because it's not just a place for you to whine and cry and and be fragile in those moments but but, you know, if the tears come, let them be genuine and authentic. Because mm -hmm. yeah. sometimes it really is sad when you realize you've had the invitation all along and you didn't open it. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to open it. You, you misplaced it. You ignored it. 
mm-hmm. you were dismissive of it. That's, that's a hard reality because when you start peeling back the why, why didn't I? Why didn't I care? Why didn't I believe my friends when they told me how, how they were feeling? Why didn't I, why did, why did I just, why did I just, you know, brush it off and be like, everything's not about race. Well, that's easy for you to say if you're not in a black and brown body. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Unfortunately. Yeah. And so it's important that, that we, that I, that I create a space where every, where folks feel comfortable, not comfortable to harm. Right. But, but, but comfortable inside of discomfort. What I mean, comfortable, comfortable enough and courageous, that's a more accurate word, courageous mm-hmm. enough to say, I don't know what I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm willing, I'm willing and I'm committed to listening until I do know. Mm-hmm. I'm committed to doing my work until, until I have fewer question marks than I have today. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, I just, I love the analogy that you use there of the invitation. We have a table inside of our house that when we bring in our mail, we set the the mail on the table. Mm -hmm. And so I'm literally visualizing that table with a piece of mail on it that I've mistakenly thought that it was a bill that I didn't want to look at or a piece of advertisement that I didn't think was, you know, applicable to me or information that just didn't really matter for, for me at the time. And, and I, I think that is the most beautiful analogy about what we're offering here is that there has been an invitation on the table. And now it's there. I mean, now it's so clear. We have, we have said, there it is. There's the invitation. Please come join us. And I know for me personally, just in the process of, of everything that's been going on, I'm grieving my ignorance over this. You know, I, I have grieved that I had such ignorance for so long. And, and I'm a very intelligent woman. I'm not saying I'm stupid. I'm saying I wasn't knowledgeable. And I absolutely just value so highly that we're having the opportunity to come to a place where we can learn and we can grow. You know, we can choose to know and we can choose to be known. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just highly, highly valuable. And that, yes, it does take some courage, but you know what? Just a few seconds of courage can change the course of your life forever. Absolutely. And that is so, so valuable. I want to invite all of our listeners to feel free to ask any questions of us. We would love to run some by Carmen and have her share her answers to your questions. Carmen, why do you think now, I mean, I know we we have the, the case of the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and all of the things that have led up to this, but we've also had years and years and years of this, you know, for such a time as this, right? So why now? Why, do you think there's some factors at play or, I don't know, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, why now? Because at a world, a world, not just this country, the world has watched in real time the video. Yeah. The video. And so now the idea 
that you 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 didn't see it it's not real that never happened how can you say this you saw the officer's knee on George Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds you heard a black man, a father, a son, a brother, a nephew, a coworker, you saw and heard him call out for his mother, only for us to realize later when the information was filled in that his mother had already transitioned. And, mm -hmm. and there's not, there's, I didn't even have to inquire when I read that two weeks ago, I was in Austin, Texas, sitting in a hotel room. And before we were getting ready to leave Austin, because we'd been there for a family funeral, and I was re and I just began to weep because no one had to tell me as a black woman what that meant. Yeah. No one had to fill in the blanks and the gaps for me and connect the dots of when a black person calls out for their mama. I know what that means mm -hmm. in a very, very deep way. And so the idea of it's not on my block, it's not in my, it's not in my home, it's not on my row, it's not, it's not in my country. No, that's not my country. No, they don't do, no, you couldn't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. Because it was all unveiled. It was mm -hmm. all unveiled for everyone to see, to witness, to hear. Mm -hmm. And once you see it, you cannot unsee it mm -hmm. and so how it hits the psyche how it hits the heart how it how it works its way in our emotions and 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 how and and carrying it because what's different is that trauma is now being carried not just by black and brown people anymore Mm -hmm. It's been it's being carried by the world. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it is touching. It is being witnessed differently. It is being felt differently and very uniquely. Because I know there are many of us, myself included. I did not watch that entire video. I've seen too many. There are far too many hashtags to to remember it, there's to keep them all in my brain there's far too many and that is that is a sad state of affairs to be able to say there are too many hashtags yeah and here's what's real i just don't want to be one of them i don't want yes. my children to be one of them right and so that is the difference that's the difference is that the world witnessed it and so it wasn't just two or three people. It, it is now, this is, this, is the, um, this is the thing now that brings justice. What if no one was there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and look how long it took 
to even bring those men in. Yeah. So that adds, that adds another le- layer of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I'm married to an attorney. I have, I, we have a, our oldest child is an attorney. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that whole thing of wrestling with justice being served. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so those are all the layers of trauma that, and stress and stressors that occur. You know, I, this, this, this morning, early this morning, well, literally in the middle of the night when I read about Jas Waters, who is a writer. She, she was a writer, black writer, female writer for a very popular ABC show, This Is Us. They found mm-hmm. her yesterday. She hung herself. Oh, I didn't know that. 39 oh. years old. Mm. And had a pro- prolific career. But it's not even about that. It is about the intensified mm-hmm. stress and trauma and anxiety that we feel. And, and, and the difference is, the other thing that is different that I will point out to is the other thing that is different is the fact that white people are now carrying it. We've been carrying it. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's, that's, that's the difference. And so how, and now how do we use, how do we use our bodies inside of these institutions? And, and you said about systemic racism, how do we, how do we, use how do white people use their bodies inside of systems that they are in education financial and banking every system that we have the law law enforcement Mm -hmm. mental health our health our health system so that we do not continue to see the disparities that we see Mm -hmm. in health care in every on every level we're speaking very specifically about mental health, but there are disparities across the board about mm-hmm. who are th- these systems decide who gets to who who is worthy of receiving support for their health, mental and otherwise. Who's worthy of that? Mm-hmm. And so that is, that's the kind of trauma, but that's the, that's one of the, the, the biggest differences, the fact that everyone saw it. So, because you, when you see it, whatever you see, you can't unsee. Mm-hmm. No yeah. matter how hard, no matter how hard it is to digest and process. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that is one of the, the largest differences. So, so to, to be dismissive of that didn't happen. No, you saw it in real time. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like my supervisor, Mark, he says, you know, we all have eyes. We all have eyes. We all saw that. And you're so right that that has really been a big part of bringing this forward. And I, you, you touched on two topics there, trauma and, and mental health. And the fact that every system needs um, some transition, some transformation and I definitely agree with you. And I, I, I told one of my staff members yesterday because she had an odd inquiry. And I said, honey, I just think everybody is operating from a place of trauma right now. We're all kind of in our midbrains. And so we're not really thinking with that cerebral cortex. We're just very emotional. 
and, and, you know, all of our days are blurring together and there's just a lot that we're all taking in. And I can imagine a lot of people are like, well, what in the world is mental health association doing about, you know, why are they involved in racial injustice? Well, because it's about mental health, right? It is about mental health. And so I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about kind of the intersection between mental health and racial injustice and what it's going to take, not just, it, you know, I, I think that I've always been, I told, I shared this with you, that I've always been so just enamored and in awe and intrigued by other cultures, you know, and other, other experiences and all of that. But that a curiosity and an interest is entirely different than the fact that I want my white lens to not be white anymore. Mm. I want my white lens. Yeah, I want my white lens to change. I want to have a multicolored lens I'm looking through so that I can see things through your eyes to the extent that I can as a white person. I can see things through my Native American friends' eyes. I can see things through my um, Korean friends' eyes. So. I know I'll never fully understand, but I do want that opportunity of growth. And I think many people do. And that encourages me that many people do. And ultimately, I think that is, that's a mental health growth experience for the population, right? And, and then also there's a mental health intersect. I know you're definitely right. And then I think too, though, that is part of, it's like we have to do these these sessions, it's, it's almost like a physical therapy, right? We hurt our, our hip, it's not functioning well. We need to go now for session after session until we get that working correctly, right? I feel like that's what these sessions are gonna be. They're gonna work us through this whole process where we're able to garner this multicolored lens mm -hmm. so that we can understand and stand in solidarity as white people with people of color and people of color with white people, and that we are all caring and loving and growing and accepting one another. And then from that, the systemic change, moving over so that people of color can come in and speak, and they can come in and they can change that system so that those disparities are no longer a part of their history, that they go away. The fact that more women, African-American women die in childbirth significantly more than their white cats. Still, still, still is just, it's egregious, it's egregious. So I know I'm, I've kind of thrown several topics out at you, but yeah, um, I'd love to- I'm tracking, that. I'm tracking, so I <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tracking. Yeah, so, you know, the whole thing about mental health, because I want to speak to this very specifically as a black woman, that, in in our culture inside of our culture we're we're just now beginning to bring ourselves forward and invite invite the support of mental health into our communities and and it takes it takes people who look like us to say hey you know what and i will tell you that the greatest gift my mother ever gave to me personally she gave it to me and my brother at the, on the hills of our father's very abrupt ascension. Like it happened so quickly. We were not, we were not prepared. I was a 10 year old little girl who idolized her daddy. And, and here we are 10 and 14 
grappling with what it means, what it means first we were grappling with what it meant for our parents to now be divorced. And then on the heels of that divorce, we've not gotten through that yet. And on the heels of that divorce, our, our daddy, our, our hero is gone. Wow. So one of the greatest gifts my mother ever, listen, we, we grew up in church. I grew up, so, so because Tulsa and Oklahoma is within the, we don't, I don't just call it the Bible belt. I call it the buckle of the Bible belt because there are so many churches in, in this city, in Tulsa alone. And, and so we grew up, I didn't grow up in Tulsa. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. I was a part of a military family, but, but we were always in church. Why? Because my great grandfather was the pastor of our church. He had founded two other churches, pastored three churches within a, in the community and within the black community, east side of San Antonio, Texas, shout out to San Antonio. But he, he, that was, that was our lifeline. I, I was born in 64. The, the church was the hub for everything. If you follow King, everything that he did was connected to the church. Why? Because that's where all the people were. He went to where the people were. But mental health is not something that has been discussed inside of our churches until most recently. My mother gave my brother and I the gift of a therapist. Dr. Eileen Edgington is the reason, she is one of the reasons that you can see me today. Yeah. yeah. Because as a 10-year-old kid, an 11-year-old kid, a 12-year-old kid, teenage kid, I was suicidal. And it was tough. And I remember, and this is for all of my people who, who have grown up in the church like I did. And, and every single day was about, was about church activities. So if there had been an eighth day, we would have found a way to have something at church on that eighth day of the week, right? That's how I grew up. <laughs> it's like, seriously, that's how I grew up. And, but, you know, my mother, my mother was courageous and bold enough to take that step. She had done all the things. She had done all the praying. I remember somebody, her saying that, you know, someone, she, and people talked about her at the church, like how, like, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough this because you're taking, she said, hold up. You're not at home when my children are crying themselves to sleep because right. they miss their daddy and they don't really understand what is happening here. Right. You're not there. So you don't think that I have prayed? Of course I have prayed, but it's like you take all of that with you into therapy mm -hmm. and allow both to be a healing balm and a salve for you. But, but, but to, that's one of the things that is, that has, that has stopped so many folks in um, the African-American black community from reaching out for support. I know more people now, more people in my, in my family and in my friend group who have therapists. I have friends who are therapists. And if I got something, listen, I call them up, right? Um, yeah. I, I'm getting body work done uh, this weekend because I need it, right? And so... That, that the idea of moving away from the taboo 
of this. We don't, we don't, we don't have, we don't go see a therapist. No, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And it's necessary. It's necessary because we carry so much. Yes, absolutely. We carry so much. And, and the idea that like black people were built to carry all of these things. No, we were not. We can and we have and we continue to function, but there's there comes a time where that whatever is in you will come out and it begins to leak out in all kinds of ways. Right. And right. so it's highly important that you have a spiritual practice. I have recently I have recently picked back up my my yoga practice. Why? Because those things are important for elongating my life. I just told someone this I just told someone this morning. I love Jesus, but I'm not trying to be expressed to Jesus today. You know, so I, I so yes, so you know, so I I I take the time of whatever is necessary for me. Find that thing. Yes. I want to encourage you to find that thing that is necessary for you to be able to relieve and release out of yourself those things that will weigh you down, weigh, that'll keep you up at night, that, that will cause heart palpitations, you're having anxiety, you're having panic attacks, and you've never had that before. These, this kind of trauma that we're experiencing right now, you can't turn on the TV, you can't pick up your phone, it's everywhere. And so that kind, that kind, of, that kind of trauma it does weigh on you. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. how do you, how, finding those ways, and this is just one form, this is one way of, of what I'm saying is that I'm using the rod that's in my hand. That's what the Mental Health Association Oklahoma is doing, using the rod that's in their, the, they're in the business of mental health, therefore opening up a forum, opening up a space, creating a space, an incubator of healing for all people to to show up and to say and and not just to word vomit all over people but to say this is where i am yeah this is this is this is where this is where i am and it's 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 an important time in our nation's history and i want to speak to something that you said i personally do not want you to have a multicolored lens I want you to have the lens of who you are yeah. and, and then take that lens and be able to be able to use it, to use the power that you have, the privilege that you have to bring other people who look like me in. Mm, yes, and, yes. and, and as we talked about the other day and, and keep putting another leaf in your table to expand your table, to expand your welcome table. That's what, that's what we need. And we do that one person at a time because we can't effectuate change. There's, there's going to be some loss. Transformation, trans, transformation does not happen in a vacuum. There's going to be some loss. Right now we're seeing property loss. We're, we're seeing loss of life. There's going to be some loss. There cannot be real, systemic, sustainable transformation without loss. 
The problem is, is that we've been far too comfortable in our spaces and we have tried to, and I, when I say we, I mean white people have tried to stay in these places of power and in the ivory towers and not really, not really get to where people are. Right now, we're seeing tons of advertisers, companies, large corporations give out apologies, but I don't believe you until I see some demonstration of what you're saying. Yeah, that's a good point, really, because, I mean, words matter, but they're only as strong as the action behind them, right? Yeah, what are so, the items? Yeah. Also, I just, you know, loss is entirely a part of this, and something that I call living loss, and that is, so we have ambiguous loss that Pauline Boss um, coined, and that is when somebody's psychologically present but physically absent, so that can be... Mm. Uh, maybe a deployed military individual, um, a, a father or mother that's deployed. And so they're still psychologically present in that home, but physically absent. Or they may be physically present and psychologically absent in the case of, say, Alzheimer's or maybe severe addiction uh, issues. And so that's ambiguous loss. But living losses are these losses that, this is what I call them, that are we're still alive. You're not, you haven't had a death. You, you don't have anything that's completely gone, but you have things that are changing in such a way that it's not comfortable and it hurts and you grieve because it's, it's not what you had planned for your child or it's not what you had hoped for with your career or it's not what you had anticipated with your living circumstances or your marriage right? And so those are living losses. And we endure those all the time. And I think, I think sometimes people are a little resistant. You know, we're giving people the option and the opportunity right now to say, okay, I'm going to open this invitation to experience my living loss, right? So it's not like I'm going to a party where I'm going to be celebrated. I'm going to embrace a difficult journey. But on the other side, we create a better world for our black and brown brothers and sisters, which is absolutely, ultimately, it just, you know, I told my oldest daughter, I said, I don't know if we'll see the full fruition of it in our lifetime. I hope we do. But, you know, they say that it takes a minimum of 21 days to develop a new habit. And, you know, we talked about this the other day about how this is deep cultural mores driving systemic racism for centuries. Mm -hmm. We, well, yeah, at least, <laughs> we have to dig in and sit with the pain, mm -hmm. right? And, and get comfortable with the pain because as I told my supervisor, I am going to choose to experience the pain. I'm going to choose to sit in it until there is no more fear for people of color. And that may take my whole lifetime, but I'm willing to do that. And I hope many other people are willing to do that. But when you talk about grief and you think about living losses, mm -hmm. you know, the process is that you're going through something that is thrown at you. And this opportunity is giving you the opportunity to think about your own, to choose, to choose to allow something that's been familiar and normal to you to be released and to 
to allow new understanding to come in. And I think that's what I mean by like multicolored lenses is new understanding, new, new connection. So, but with that, we have someone that has asked, what are your recommendations for the things that folks can be doing to be an ally or activist while also being mindful of self-care? That's a beautiful question. It is. And I, and I'm wondering, Dana Johnson, I'm, I'm wondering if, if Dana is African-American or white, because that's going to determine how I answer that question. And so I'll answer it like this. If you are a white person following your heartbreak, as you said so beautifully, uh, Rebecca, about sitting in that discomfort and sitting in that pain is so necessary and allowing yourself to feel it. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. But it is imperative that you sit with it. And you sit with it without asking a person of color to bear your emotional pain or asking them to engage in emotional labor for you. Because we've done it for a very long time, at least 401 years in this country. That's not our task. Mm -hmm. There are resources, there are resources all over the internet. It is Googling, getting on and doing the work yourself and Googling and say, I want to learn how to be an ally. And, and I'm always cautious about using, about using that word, but I was thinking about that this morning about what I would use differently, but how to enter into real, authentic, genuine relationships with people of color. Do not tell someone, a person of color, that you're not racist because you have a black friend at work? Have they been to your home? What's the level of investment that you're willing to make? I'll leave it, I'll leave it right there. And then to shift over to black folks, it is okay not to engage right now. If your white friends are calling you, then you know what? you really actually need to have this conversation with your white family members first, your friends, your white partner, your white husband, or wife, children. If I, can, if I can come into your home and I see zero, you have an entire library and I see zero books about how to, how to delve into your whiteness, and how to actually see the culture of it. Because most folks, most white people, don't even, don't even realize that, that, that they have a culture. And, and so to do your own work and, and not, not to pass that work off to people of color, mm-hmm. black folks, indigenous folks, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it's not our work to do the work for you. We've been doing the work. And so how we add self-care for some people, I'm not answering their text or their phone calls because that is an act of self-care for me. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was online the other day, I was doing a live and I, and I was saying, you know, I'm talking about this stuff right now, live. Do not come into my DMs and ask me additional questions because when I'm, when I, when I'm doing this with you, this conversation that we're having, Rebecca, this is not emotional labor for me. What's emotional labor is that if you wait until we get offline and then slide into my DMs and asking me, well, what kind of book should I read? That's emotional labor. And I will tell you, I said it as clearly as you heard me say it right then. And not even five minutes after I pressed, uh, whatever the words are, leave the conversation, someone slid into my DMs talking about something. That's what I mean, that disregard. Right. and, and And I literally said, if you come into my DM and you ask something, you do something like that, I will not engage with you. And I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I did. Yeah. So that so that was a Dana. That was a great. That was a a great question. You know, our our second child, Jaden, has been on the front lines since Mike Brown in St. Louis. That's where they went to school. Mm-hmm. So for quite some time, and so one of the things that they have said to me is, "Mom, don't, mommy, don't, don't watch, don't watch that." Don't, you know, this is not a good time to, so I didn't, that's why I said I didn't watch, I didn't watch the the full video of George Floyd. So it's those kinds of things for black folks, black and brown people that to not re-traumatize ourselves by watching those things. And sometimes we have to take a break. Many of my friends have taken social media breaks so that, so that they can they can recharge, rejuvenate, recalibrate in their own bodies and doing body work and all the, you know, all the necessary things that, that you must do in order to get back out there. Right. Yeah, I hear you. And that's so true. And that's such a great answer. And I agree, you know, you have to kind of figure out what your own self-care regime regime is going to be or regime regime. Yeah. And so like to, I have my gratitude and Bible time and then I have my yoga and I do that every day, you know, and, and then I have other things that I do on a weekly or a monthly or a yearly basis. And, and we all have to find our, the self-care rhythm that works for us, but I will recommend some books because we're actually our Zara symposium in October, which will be offered actually September 30th, October 1st and 2nd is on healing from historical trauma. We will be addressing many of these topics there as well. And when I came on to the association and we were planning this, I just pulled my phone out and, and ordered all the books they were talking about. And so my husband and I are reading White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo right now. My daughter is reading White Like Me by Tim Weiss. I have one of my coworkers that's a person of color because I had my grandmother's hands on my on my desk forever. She finally bought her own copy and she's starting that and then post-traumatic slave syndrome from Joy to Grew. And then of course the Tulsa race massacres, Tulsa 1921, the full account of everything that happened to the best of our knowledge. And those are great places to start to um, begin to educate yourself and become knowledgeable. And we have some questions that have come in. Samantha Ramirez said, how should we reach out to people who don't have the empathy and lens to feel the pain and understand the problem 
I love the healing groups in the community coming together to talk about these issues and accept the trauma, but how can we get the people who are reinforcing this sort of racist and corrupt ideology to open their heart to compassion? The Civil War happened because of two conflicting ideologies and one side taking away rights and one side giving rights. I really hope that it doesn't come to something as extreme like that. Change needs to happen, but how can we first get people to see there is a problem? I think that one of the things that that we will often we will often do is try to change someone's mind. You don't have the ability to do that. Yeah. You really don't. You you have the ability to manage yourself and how you move about the world, how you move how you move about the world, what you your aspirations, what you speak to, what you speak up for, what you shut down in conversation. Mm -hmm. That's how that happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you can drop the mic and keep moving. It, it's, not, it's, not up, it's not up to me to try to get you to change your mind, Rebecca, about something that, some ideology that you may be holding on to. That's not my job. I can point you in a direction but you always, you always have the choice. That's the beautiful thing about being a human. You get to choose. We all get to choose who we're going to be in relationship with, who we're going to be in conversation with. I'm not going to willingly spend time with someone who is, who is unwilling and is telling me that they're unwilling to see me because that's a very vulnerable place. And so there are folks who are, who are right on the precipice, they're right on the edge, and they're still feeling, they're, they're, still, they're still willing to let me hear, maybe I can hear it differently. Maybe you know, if you talk to me, I can hear it differently. Just like you just did, Rebecca, something that was really important. I'm a person, I like to know. So if I hear a word or I hear of a book that I've never heard before and we're in, we're talking about it, I'm taking notes of that. Okay, I, I could not speak on that and I wanna be able to. And there, there was some people knowing things that I didn't know, let me find out. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's, it's your own individual thing. And so, no, we don't want to have, we, there's, we don't want to have civil unrest, but I will tell you that because of that civil unrest today, today is June the 12th, June the 12th, 1967, Loving versus Virginia. It, if you don't know that, if you don't know that, that history, Mildred Loving and Richard Loving, were in 1967. That's only 53 years ago. 53 years ago. I was born in 64. In my lifetime, were able a black woman and a white man were able to be legally married in the state of Virginia. But before that happened, they were busting through the law, law enforcement, busting through their doors in the middle of the night while they're sleeping, dragging them off to jail because it was illegal for them to be married. But today, because of their bold boldness and their courage to fight for what they wanted for their lives, and they just want to be at peace and raise their family. 
But because of them, here, here, my husband and I, almost 29 years later, over 30 years together, were able to be married legally in this country only 53 years ago. So it does, that's why I was saying that if we think that this is going to, that this, that this systemic change and shift, paradigm shift is going to happen inside of comfort, and we think that it's going to happen without loss, if we think it's going to happen without a fight, it's, it, does, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. We had to fight for freedom in this country. So I forget, was her first name? I know the last name was Radamirez. What was the first name? Samantha. Samantha. Samantha, so to answer your question, there are some things that you can, there are some conversations that you can engage in, and then there are some that you cannot because it's, it's, it's futile. It's, you're just not ever going to get anywhere with that person. But you can. You can begin to check yourself for your biases. You can begin to check yourself for where, where have I not educated myself? Where do I need to grow? You can check. We can all check ourselves for that. Thank you for that question, Samantha. That's great. Yeah. And Samantha, I would agree. I, I would agree wholeheartedly with everything that Carmen is saying. I had this conversation with my adult, oldest adult daughter last night as well. And we're, our faith is Christianity. And, and I said, you know, it's just like being a Christian. I can't make people believe in Jesus. I can't make people believe the things of the Bible. I can only live my life and be who I'm supposed to be in the context of that and hope that that, you know, gives a reflection and an example for them that they would want to come and know God's love and mercy. And so it's the same thing with racial equity and equality and inclusion is we've just got to figure out who we need to be and be that. And, and what a great question. Thank you so much. So our last question for you today, because we're, we're wrapping up here, Carmen, is what do you hope that people gain from our support and open discussion group coping with trauma from racial injustice? What I hope people would gain is a better understanding of themselves, a better understanding of who they work with, a better understanding of who they go to church with, a better understanding of who their neighbors are on their block, a better understanding that will, that will cause them to go deeper within. There's a saying that you go within or you go without. And that, that place of going within, because that's where the real work is, you go here first, you go within first, and, and you, it's like a roto-rooter, you root out, you root out those, those places and, and crevices where, in the shadows, where systemic racism will live and biases will live, and we don't know that they're, they're, that they're there until we take an introspective look. And when we do that, then, and educate ourselves, then bring that conversation, then began to, then began to create authentic relationships and connections with people of color so that they know, because let me just, let me just say to you, 
at first, we're going to be suspicious. We are. And you've got to sit with that. Don't let that be the th You have to be that committed that when, when we're suspicious, that you don't then get tired and weary and fragile and decide I'm gonna quit because the first time, my first time out the gate, I decide, have you ever been to, the, to a party and you're the only one? I have. And, and so once we, we started this about with the analogy of the invitation, the invitation has been graciously extended. Mm -hmm. You get to choose, you get to choose how you're going to come to the party, how you're going to engage at the party. And will you find people who don't think, act, feel, nor believe, or do as you do, and strike up that conversation there? Will you invest and risk? enough that that on your first time we're so good at that in in the west we're so good at at this perfectionism thing of where if i don't get it right the first time i'm just not going to try again no 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 you're going to have to keep trying mm -hmm. and so are you willing to make an investment that it's not going to yield just because you made the one time investment it's like planting a seed who stands over a seed that you plant into the ground and, and yells at it to come up? You, be, you better hurry up and come up, blossom, blossom, blossom. blossom. No, that, that's not what happens. It's over time. It has to take root and grow. Mm -hmm. And so to answer, my hope really is that you will do the introspective work. You will find those places um, you will find those places where you can connect with and then make real authentic relationships and connections with people of color that matter so that they can say, I see you. Mm -hmm. So when your work on this earth is complete, we show up for you and you show up for us. When we have done justice, real justice work, at the end of our days on this earth, it's not just all of my people show up and it's just, it's just all black folks in there, but you show up mm -hmm. because we made a real connection and it was authentic and it, and it touched my life, touched you at your core. So that when I pick up the phone and I say, Rebecca, I need you, you show up for me. That's my, that's my hope, that, that we plant the seed and it continues to be watered and you water it with your education. You water it with doing your inner work. You water it, you water it with authentic relationships. And then you take that into these systems and institutions so that you become a point and an epicenter yourself for systemic change. And you begin to spread that. You shut down, you shut down racist comments and jokes and memes that get passed around. You shut it down and they know don't bring don't bring that to Rebecca because she's not going to entertain that. 
That's right. That's how we build. And it's one, it's one building block at a time. And it's, it's these institutions, but we're, we're seeing it happen. It's fanned out everywhere. There's not one layer that has not been touched by this uprising. Not one, not one, right. not one. And so here we are, here we are at the precipice of, I wrote this today on LinkedIn and I said, we're at the precipice, we are. We're standing on the precipice of rewriting our nation's narrative. What will you invest? What are you willing to risk in order to be on the right side of this story?